1: Welcome back after a long hiatus to Cavs the Podcast. Um Nate Smith. I'm here with four man booth. We got Eli Kim and we got the brothers Chris, Chris Lydon and Chris Francis. Um and uh yeah, uh welcome back. It's been a minute. Um and you know, yes, big sir. shout out to Chris Francis for throwing in so many or as I call him Chris the Iron Man Francis. Getting that uh, Tristan Thompson consecutive games award for.
0: Ooh, I like that. I love that shit.
1: But, uh, for consecutive games recapped. So thank you, Chris, for all your hard work on the blog. I, it has not gone unnoticed, and and
0: I'm having a blast, man. Can you? Yeah, tell? I I can. You you you've really got
1: it down to a science. And it, <laughs> actually, I've I've loved the format that you kind of developed your own style. You know, you kind of dive into the. Uh, the net rating, and you kind of dive into five or six quicks points. You know, brevity is the soul of wit here. So I've been. That's what
0: I noticed with the grind is like all of a sudden there was like a uh, focus on economy you know what i yeah. mean
2: <laughs> yeah well you were covering my ass too and i really appreciate that i just like god uh, go uh, no yeah no. it's, it's all a, it's of it a at pleasure once. like i said i'm having a blast
0: so
1: awesome yeah he's it's it's he's really been uh the uh, he's been our mvp this year i don't think anybody's he gonna he gets
0: the uh, he gets the chain oh i want the junkyard dog award he
1: gets now. the jyd <laughs> yes <laughs> uh,
0: well well it's well we we actually came up with it first by the way that, yeah. that should we, because we, yeah, we did talk dog. about it. Yeah. We, we had the dog pill, you know, like yeah. we, so I feel like the calves kind of owe us royalties on like, <laughs> <a> reward, their <laughs> reward that they're
1: Well, I, I dogs. think it's a case of great minds thinking alike and, <laughs> and, and ours too. So
0: that's because we're gracious. <laughs> that's because we're gracious.
1: Yeah. And, I know last night's award winner was a bit of a surprise. I, I like it when it's a surprise, but uh, Dylan Windler won the D- JYD award last night, kind of a a big comeback. And let's let's jump into last night's game. Um, of course, I don't have it up, but <laughs> are we are we recording? Uh, that's a good question.
0: <laughs> oh no!
1: Hold on, sorry, I'm not used to my Mac here.
2: Yeah, I'm on a Mac as well. Maybe the light just doesn't come on.
1: No, we are recording for sure. Awesome. Yep. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just edit that part out. <laughs> uh, one second. Let me pull up last night's box score. This is hot Googling action on Cavs of podcast. All right. There we go. So, uh, yeah, Cavs won 107-101 in in a... In a Pretty close game most of the way. The Cavs definitely had some struggles. Uh, I think Karis LeVert probably struggled more than anyone with a a minus 13 and just eight points. He he did have a base six triple-double, though, with uh, eight, seven, and six. Um, uh, 8.7 rebounds, six assists. Uh, But I think we were all a little frustrated with him on the live thread.
3: Yeah.
0: So what do you guys think about Karis starting? So that's been the recent change. So what what are your guys' impressions? Um, I,
1: For me, I think it's a change that makes sense. It gets him in the groove a little quicker. It makes it so Darius Garland uh, can be more of a scorer and play off the ball a little bit more. Um, the problem with it is um, he can't shoot, and he doesn't take good shots, and... The thing that drives me nuts about him is he'll cross a guy up, get parallel or past him, and then for some ungodly reason, he will cross back over and let his defender recover. And he doesn't seem to be great at going left. Um, I'm a little concerned uh, about his 4 for 15 last night. Maybe he's just got to get into the, the groove, but I haven't been super impressed with him. I don't know. Who who else wants to chat? Eli, you've been awfully quiet so far. You want to chime in on Karis LeVert?
3: Yeah, I think um, him starting, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I think the Cavs do need more offense, and he's definitely more of an offensive player when he can make some buckets. But he, I think he's only had really one decent game <laughs> since he's been a Cavalier, in my opinion. And uh, it was in a loss against – so. I, I think with the injuries, you kind of have to start them because you'd rather get a little bit more offense instead of starting a Coro, Mobley, and Lamar Stevens. That's just uh, not a very encouraging bunch offensively. So I get the logic of why you start him over Lamar, but um, yeah, it hasn't been the best experience so far for the Cavs.
2: Definitely, for sure. I agree with a lot of that. And I think. You know, the only way his chemistry or whatever, the, the fit or, you know, familiarity with the offense, whatever you want to pin the sort of uh, amorphous thing of him not performing well into, um, it only improves with time and, and effort. And unfortunately, there's just not any more games left where you can feel good about being experimental. You know, it's the end of the season. And so I do like him starting because you got to see if he can fit in. And um, I'm sure that impacts their longer term thinking as well. Um, but yeah, it hasn't been great. I went, I went back and checked out, like, I just wanted to see what his handle looked like in the paint, like pre-injury to see if there was something there. Cause he's like, he's very low. He doesn't have great ball control. Um, he's backing down a lot in the paint, which is, you know, it just looked weird to me. Um, and his play style has been like that, um, looking back at other seasons, but I do think he might be, you know. Not one hundred percent physically as well, so uh, it's tough. It's not been it's not been good.
1: Yeah, I, I mean that that's a a pretty cogent analysis, Chris uh, Francis. Were you going to jump in there?
0: Yeah, well, I was just I, the main takeaway for me with him starting is I, I took away the same thing Nate did, which was it helps Darius basically. It helps him become more of a scorer, which is what the Cavs need because of the. End. So that's definitely the first thing that I'll actually zag and say it's his defense. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's where he's failing. I think is that, um, you know, he's, he, he, since he's starting with, I mean, it's the front or I'm sorry, the backcourt is, or the, the perimeter guys are Darius Garland, Karis Levert and Isaac Okoro as your, point of attack defenders or perimeter defenders and that's just not cut I mean there's not one plus defender you know like you don't think Okoro's a plus defender no I mean not yet not he was last game I, I I think that I think I mean the two things that are missing from his game really is defensive playmaking and rebounding I mean his rebounding is atrocious I mean it's it's just simply unacceptable that, I mean, he has the same – I'm pretty sure he has the same rebound rate as uh, Darius. So, I mean, just for a guy that big and that strong that could jump that high, I mean, there's just no excuse for him to put the uh, not put the effort in and go get the ball,
2: you know? Well, so, and – So – Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, it's been recent too, but uh, what do you think about the way that they've been running the offense when he's in there? Because, A, it's been weird with this last game. They were right. playing a lot of five out and it didn't work because – kevin love was in its center or marking in um but like i watch karis a lot and when he's not getting the ball he's not doing a lot of uh, off-ball movement you know they're parking him sort of um in his position around the three you know mm-hmm. and uh,
0: yeah i actually thought he was a decent catch catch and shooter which is why i thought there was some kind of promise you know to him uh, going into the starting lineup, but I guess he, with the stunt, with the stinker last night, you know, <laughs> that, that might've, uh, <laughs> that might've shot the confidence of a lot of people.
2: <laughs> yeah. I just think it'll, it would help if everybody's standing around the outside, we've been having trouble penetrating and moldy going down. doesn't help that, but it was happening before that too. And I'd, I'd love for him to be doing some off ball screen stuff or just running around the baseline. Yeah.
1: Um, and it, harder. and it gets back a lot to, you know, Everything I have seen so far has led me to the conclusion that, you know, in the email thread, Benworth was right. And Benworth absolutely hated the trade. Um, You know, one of the things that he loved about Rubio was Rubio always followed through on the cut. Um, And even if he didn't get the ball, it created that negative space and was a great off-ball screener and just did kind of everything on offense, even if he's didn't have a great field goal percentage that you needed to do, uh, to be a positive, you know, net rating player. And Karis Levert very much, you know, in Ben's opinion and starting to become mine feels like the opposite of that. You know, a guy who doesn't seem to have a plan on offense kind of doesn't manipulate defenders, takes the assists that are there, but isn't really good at directing the offense. But his like we talked about his ability to you know spell Garland as an every uh, play um, playmaker is good. The one thing I don't like is him taking away shots from Okoro because frankly Okoro's been kind of turned into a pretty
0: decent corner corner three shooter. Really come around, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. He's he's been a
1: good catch and shoot corner three player, and a lot of that is because. Teams are leaving him wide open, but he's making them. So you know he, he's becoming he's becoming PJ Tucker in that regard as a as a corner three player and his release has gotten better and higher and more consistent and he's even made some from the wing instead of the corner. Um, so I'm I've been very pleased with Okoro. I wish he would continue to do more, but I actually think Okoro was one of the best calves in the last game you know he had five stocks five rebounds kind of belying uh your analysis there and if and if he can kind of continue to give the Cavs that that bodes really well i i will say the other side of that is that you know they beat orlando 107 101 and hardly any of orlando's uh starters played in crunch time. So it was a little bit disingenuous. You know, Adam when Silver's we, NBA. Yeah. When we saw 24 minutes of Cole Anthony and 28 minutes of Franz Wagner and 27 minutes of Wendell Carter, and they all had a positive plus minus in that game. And the only guys that seemed to be able to stop them on the calves, uh, was the guy that wasn't playing except immediately after, uh, Evan Mobley went down and that was Moses Brown. So he seemed to be the only guy with the size to stop them. And the magic seemed content to, uh, to tank their way to lottery glory at the end of that game. So I don't know how much stock you can put in the the magic win, but
2: I I will take the scheduling wins at this point in the season. Well, and also it was weird because um, Chetty and Ed Davis didn't play. I know Chetty's probably back in the doghouse for some— I I, I think there's some discipline thing there or something weird. I but, think he's um, just so remarkably inconsistent. Yeah. And yeah, it's the like,
1: defense.
2: If this was a game, though, like, if you were going to play him at all, this was—they really could have used him on the stretch there. Um, but anyways, like—and then Davis didn't play, like, and they, and they pulled Brown pretty fast. And, and I think that's going to be interesting going forward because— I don't think we're going to see. We
3: have our as new agenda five. Definitely. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> this
1: Moses year's Brown
0: agenda, is Brown agenda. The Moses
1: Brown agenda.
0: Brown oh, agenda is oh. starting to gear up, baby. It's he's
1: this year's
2: Hardy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: One last <laughs> exactly. thing I'll say about yeah. Levert too um, is that I do firmly believe in that coaching staff, who is very effective at coaching defense, especially uh, perimeter defense and especially one-on-one defense, because we've seen guys like uh wade uh goodwin even um you know just windler i mean these guys are all uh, i'm not saying they're great defenders but they like they play fundamentally good defense which karis Levert does not so if he's coachable and he's still young just thinking about that like he could potentially approve uh improve uh on this staff or with the staff yeah, that, yeah it's, it's
3: an interesting point and yeah that's um, a. I was just
0: going to say.
1: We're going to go to break, but hold that okay, thought, yeah, Chris. No problem. We'll be Sorry right back. It. Welcome back to Cavs a podcast. Chris, what were you saying?
0: Yeah. No, I just wanted to piggyback off of the – to put a bow on the Karis Lavert thing is uh, Chris made the point, you know, about his injury not being 100%. And also you were making the point about him being kind of lost on offense and, you know, operating without a plan, you know, when he gets to the paint or whatever and i think that part of that has to do with the fact that this guy's now bounced around to his third team now over the past i don't know uh 3 years 2 years i've lost all sense of time yeah I mean, it's he, it's been 3 years yeah, cuz there was I mean, the
1: jared allen trade last year where we went to the pacers and then, then he went from yes, the
3: pacers to the cavs, the cavs. And so
0: he, yeah he's yeah. on his third team now and and i think it's just going to take time you know and i think uh, with a guy like Levert, it just seems like it's going to be one of those things where it's going to have to be a steep learning curve, you know, because of the way he plays. He just plays a certain way, you know. He's basically an ISO scorer, you know. He's he's in that Sexton mold, right? You know, that was the concern of everybody's. Um, it was just that he's just a scorer, and not much else. Um, but I think that what he's shown, at least in the positive sense, is I think he's a better passer than people give him credit for. I think he's also. Uh, he, he just has a better, uh, intuitive understanding about passing, like a connective passing and just rhythm passing in, ge- in general, you know, that, that, you know, um, seems to be a huge struggle for Sexton, for instance. Um, so I think there's a, I think there's a upside there. And so, you know, to your point earlier about, you know, I think, uh, I guess it's, uh, totally okay to me to keep on experiment. I mean, might as well experiment, right? I mean, with all the injuries that we're talking about. I mean, and you guys mentioned uh, Wendler and Stevens from last night. You know, uh, JB's going with some unorthodox, you know, experimental lineups, you know, in the clutch and in certain situations. So, you know, why not get kind of nutty with it, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, you know, experimental lineups, uh, we saw a lot of – Like, uh, like we said, Dylan Windler, who probably played the most minutes that he's played in quite some time, uh, was 16 and got, got the JYD award. And, uh, with his nine rebounds, two assists, two steals, really kind of flying around on defense, um, really making a name for himself as, you know, a, a defensive grinder for the Cavs, which is really nice to see, uh, as long as he can stay healthy, um, and I know you had Mr. Francis some thoughts on
0: that's Dylan right. Wendler. Oh, I'm just going to take my victory lap right now because the the Windler agenda, I'd say, has never been hotter, never been higher. You know, and uh, and it's awesome. And what I want to do is actually the hot take now is parlaying the Windler agenda into the Moses Brown agenda, and that's what I want to. You know, that's the. That's the real objective now is, um, I mean, he's been a positive impact player from every moment that he stepped on the court for the Cavs. So I just don't get why he's only getting six minutes, you know, when the defense collapses, you know, in the game. And to me, is I don't know what your guys' first impression of Moses Brown is. What I was wondering is, you know, am I just crazy? Am I just seeing something that's not there? But, I mean, to me, he seems... Super big, super athletic, um, uh, and he's super strong. And JB was just talking about in one of the post game uh, pressers or whatever, just that he's a communicator on defense. And I'm guessing that's probably, uh, you know, thank thank you, uh, Rick Carlisle, right? You know, or because uh, he played for the Mavericks, um, uh, breaking into the NBA. So I just, you know, I think. He's, like, excellent in Cavs minutes, and I just wonder, am I crazy, or would you, like, would you guys like to see more Moses Brown?
3: I want to see more uh, I'll Moses take it. Brown. Oh, yeah. I like go Moses ahead. Brown. Yeah, you're the first um, one. I really like Moses Brown a lot, actually. I thought that he was going to find, like, a permanent home when he got traded to um, – who did he get traded to? He got traded to someone temporarily. But he also has, like, a really unique athletic profile because he was, like, a top 15 recruit. Um. Yeah, he's a freak athlete, right? Supremely freak athlete. He played with uh, Cole Anthony in high school. And then after he left, Cole Anthony actually transferred to Oak Hill. And a lot of people joke now that it's because he didn't have Moses Brown to help protect his uh, defensive shortcomings, even at the high school level. So um, (laughs) that's I I think Moses Brown should be an NBA player, I think. Ironically, I think the Cavs should try to lean into him and play him, but it seems like right now JV's kind of going the opposite. And we're going to see we've seen the super tall Cavs, but now we're going to see the super small Cavs for the rest of the way with all these injuries. So <laughs> I know, um, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it just seems like I think I think tomorrow with Mobley out, I think Lamar Stevens is going to be the starting four, and Mark might be the five. I mean, that's kind of looks like what it's trending because Love definitely wore down, down the stretch last night, uh, when he had to play all those extended minutes. So it's going to be interesting to see how the lineup adjusts, but I would definitely consider starting Moses Brown and keeping Markman in at, at least the four. Ooh. And, uh, he like doesn't have to this. play a lot of minutes, Here but
2: I would give it a chance. I love yeah, it. I agree. I mean, I, I really like Moses Brown too. I mean, I, you certainly can see, um, He's got some dexterity issues uh, with the ball in his hands around the around the rim, and uh, has uh, missed some some bunnies uh, for sure. And his limited engagement here, but um, I really like him, and I mean that's why we brought him in. I thought you know was uh, for a situation like this. Um, if you're not going to start at Davis like you used to when you were when you were missing centers before, um, I would definitely not go small. I would I would give him the time. I think he probably earned a little time with his play. The staff seems to be into that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I like that idea a lot. I, I I was even thinking about putting. It doesn't really matter with the with the forwards on offense versus defense, but I would love to have Stevens and and Laurie stay uh, as forwards for some minutes there for sure. I'd even take them with with just to have that available. I think this next game it won't be as big of a, an issue uh, playing small, but it will be in the future.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with all you guys, and you know, even in his Mavs stint um he was a positive player in about seven minutes a game um obviously kind of got deep pantsed by uh by Jared Allen in the one game where they started him against Allen but I also (laughs) think that's a uh that was a tough tough matchup for him um and honestly he hasn't had there's only been a couple games he's had the foul trouble that really uh plagued him in in that start and you know even with Dallas uh he was a positive plus minus player and you know especially considering how much Dallas struggled earlier in the year that's uh saying something I do think against Dallas he's probably a little bit of a tough play because they run a pretty um you know their bigs can generally shoot um and and I think that makes him a little difficult to play against them but you know, I I would lean into it. I think he should get at least you know twelve minutes in the next game. They certainly could use the size. Um, his uh, his time. Sorry, his. Uh, I'm pulling up his Cleveland stats here. Give me one second.
2: Well, while you do that, really quick, he um, he's got. Let's see. If he plays twelve minutes, I'm fine with him fouling as much as he has. Yeah, absolutely. I want him to be. Uh, I want him to be physical, yeah. especially with Allen out.
1: Yeah. Uh, play the. Uh, The um, Hartenstein agenda, you know. That's (laughs) right. There we go. Use use them six fouls and lay some wood on some guys. But I mean, he is super long. He's athletic for his size. You know, coordinated for his size. Um, He shot. You know, he's shooting thirty percent from the free throw line with the Cavs, which has been rough. But he also, you know, rounded out to about sixty three percent with the Mavs, which I think is totally acceptable um he's averaging almost he's averaging 0.6 blocks in five and a half minutes which is really you know an incredible number um so he definitely changes the calculus around the basket and i think you know when the mavs are running a non-shooting four and i don't know enough about their lineup to know who that might be but
3: uh it's probably power cleaver Uh, powell no, yeah, Cleaver, yeah. Cleaver shoots, shoots a lot of threes, yeah. but when Powell's out there, I would put Moses Brown on Powell for sure. Yeah, because
0: yeah.
1: you know A, we want Dwight Powell shooting threes. <laughs> uh that 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 being the biggest thing, and I, I don't think he can match
3: up size wise at all there. So Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and I guess one more tidbit. Uh Moses Brown was actually a net positive player for the twenty twenty to twenty one season Oklahoma City Thunder, and he started like forty games.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that. So,
3: wow. so wow. When he, How did he
0: pull that off?
3: I don't know, but he <laughs> he was a plus four net rating player uh, or plus four per 100 possession player for the OKC. Yeah, 8.6 points and
1: almost nine rebounds. Like, how is this guy not playing more?
3: What yeah, the heck so, is going well, he on? Has a, I believe he, he was a only, really hard time. Finish. Yeah, I think he was a yeah, starter true. with a positive uh, on off on that team. Because I think even Shea, even though he had a great year, I think he ended up being a negative. Um, oh, yeah. But it's almost impossible to be
0: a positive player on OKC. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. So yeah. I think he has a lot of well, potential.
1: no, he did not was... have a positive plus minus on OKC. Okay.
0: Okay. It was that, minus
1: that, that eight point four. Okay. <laughs> well, that, wait, that sounds about right. Yeah, I, okay. I
3: just, <laughs> I just totaled up the game log. Oh, sorry. His, his uh, yeah, net rate per hundred percent net rating. Oh, okay. Yeah. Apologies, no, wrong stat. But no, that's, what I, thought. that's still, what I thought you said. It's still impressive. Yeah, yeah, that's, yes, that's no, my no, for sure. I think he should be playing more, especially Mobley and Allen are out. I don't think that should be controversial at all, and I hope that yeah, your, yeah. the coaching staff is thinking about that.
1: Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you look at his net rating with the Cavs. He his offense is one thirteen, his defense is ninety six when he's out there, and obviously he's small sa- sample he's size, but it. he's had a positive net rating you know, his entire NB, except for his first year in Portland. So yeah, I,
0: and he gives Sounds you that like vertical the thread. The, which, ag- the Moses yeah. Brown agenda has launched.
2: Well... Yeah. And, and as you guys know, our listeners can go anywhere to hear about, uh, Mobley and Garland here at here at Cavs the Blog. We're going right to the end <laughs> of the lineups. And I and I want to take us even Absolutely. It's the Goodwin. So
1: while we're on that, Brandon Goodwin. <laughs> I, have them, I have one more Windler. I have one more Windler. Oh yeah. Go ahead.
2: Before we move on. uh why can't Dylan shoot? Yes, that's my question. And 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 it's amazing how awesome he has gotten at a bunch of other stuff. We should give him a ton of credit for that. I think we should give the charge staff a ton of credit for that. Because they've created a bunch of NBA players, you know, um, out of guys that probably weren't. I really feel that way. Um, I just love what they've done with Wade and uh, Stevens and then Windler. Uh, but he still can't shoot. Is it? A, is it? I don't know enough about shot mechanics to see anything wrong with him. It looks like he's not even thinking about shooting very much.
1: So Maybe I was. I, oh, I'm sorry. Yep. No, I, yips. I think it's
0: I think JB got into his head.
1: No. So yes. I have an answer from a mechanic standpoint, and then I'll let you chime in with the conspiracy theory. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, Wait, so I even... was I was going over this with, uh, I, I think it was Whitney on Twitter, and uh, he said one of the big things on Windler is he's a much better shooter off the dribble, which is where most of his, where a lot of his shots came from in college. And I think he has not adjusted well from a catch and shoot standpoint his catch and shoot mechanics aren't great he's still like his release isn't quite high enough it's it's a little slow um and he hasn't even he hasn't really gotten good at coming off screens um so it's it's but i think a little so i think that's some of it but i think i'll let you chime in here mr francis on, (laughs) on what you think it is
0: i mean It's to me, it's clearly just a confidence thing. I think the motion's fine. He's slow. I agree with that. I mean, he's definitely slow. Also, uh, he's ambidextrous. Like he's he's a guy that's he's doing the LeBron thing where uh, he's shooting right-handed, or I think he shoots right-handed, or does he shoot left-handed? I can't remember. But he shoots uh, lefty. He shoots lefty. Okay, so he's a predominantly right-handed guy who happens to shoot lefty, and just I think he has a slow release because of it. You know. Um, cause it's just, I, to me, I can't think of, I mean, it's so unnatural to shoot with your offhand, it seems. So, uh, I mean, I, I get he's ambidextrous, but, um, but to me, it's just a confidence thing. I mean, I'll, I'll push back kind of, uh, you know, on the, you know, the development thing. It's, I think he's always been a good player. I think he's, he's always, to me, the eye test always said that guy knows how to play ball. That guy does a lot of good things on the court. He knows how to play the game, and he's athletic too. You know, he can jump really high, and he's long. So, and he can defend, and he can. He's got speed. Uh, He's got it all. You know, he just he's just old. And you know, it's just kind of uh, what he's limited in is his ball handling. Um, he's not a passer. He's not a. He's not a. uh, You know, um, a guy who can get to the rim. Um, but, uh, what was interesting is listening to JB's comments about the ascendancy of Dylan Windler in his mind. Um, and he was just talking about a lot about trust, you know, and that's, that's the thing. And and I kind of, when he started talking about trust, I bristled at that. It's like, you're the coach, man. Like the way you instill trust in him is you don't have him on a short leash and yank him after every little freaking mistake. You know, and then park him on the bench for two weeks. You know, th- that's how you ruin a guy's confidence. It's not freaking, you know, uh, you, you know. I, I, well, just to be fair. Go ahead. Go ahead. Dylan, <laughs> Dylan Windler's
1: injury me. history has been really that's problematic. True. And yeah. he seemed like a guy who would get on a roll and then get hurt.
0: Oh, yeah yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first two years of his tenure here did they said he missed like or he's only been available for like thirty nine games
2: out of two hundred or something like that. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that drops his shooting percentage, you know, eighteen points from college. um, you know, just the injury stuff. like, although I do think okay, so he's getting limited time, right? Uh, we have like three sets that we run mostly three-man game stuff to get Kevin Love open shots, right? You guys could probably all diagram at least two of them because they do them every night. Um, And I could see them not, because they don't do those for him. They don't do those for Windler. And I could see that being an issue of him not being able to shoot well, uh, you know, catching the ball, and also like not really being able to be a part of the screen game. Um, Because, then, yeah, you have to put the ball in his hands if you want him to try to make his own three-point shot, which is just a hard thing to do anyways, I mean. Uh, you know, shooting off the dribble for him is is tough. I buy that as a pretty decent explanation for it.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that, you know, putting him in that, you know, high post handoff might be a way to get him the ball with a little bit of ball handling.
3: Ooh, I like that. That's and
1: a great idea. <laughs> the, the, the problem with that is that he's not a guy that's real big that sets great screens, but... I would try it. I certainly think it, it makes some sense. Um,
0: I mean, it could be matchup dependent. I mean, yeah, and what they, they do with Windler is, you could tell what teams do against Windler is they'll put their worst defender on him.
1: Yeah, you know well, I mean? and... Obviously. Yeah, absolutely, matchup dependent. And, and the, part of the reason it works for Love and it works for uh, Laurie Markkinen is because they usually have a big on them and Dylan Windler is yep. more likely That's to have a wing on, have them. on him. Yep. And a wing's going to be a lot more likely to jump that um and and put a lot more ball pressure out there. Um Absolutely. which which may affect him. But I, I
2: would certainly try some things like that. Um and if you did an off ball screen, you know, or a buzz screen or whatever they call it in the NBA.
1: Well they uh, were running that uh yeah. they were running that quarter play for him a little bit and then mm-hmm. and then I remember earlier in the year yelling at them because it was like don't run it for him to be shooting as a right handed player. Run it
2: for him to be shooting as a left handed player. Well, and then all but what I'm saying is like you could I don't want to get too I mean, you could run that to get a bigger guy on him and then bring oh, him yeah into the into the double uh yeah like uh the the stagger screen pop, you know, boom, yeah, get two dribbles. For sure.
1: And uh, with that, um, you know, I feel like we're going from the bottom of the roster <laughs> up as we talk about the Cavs. So, we, so when we come back, Brandon Goodwin and uh, Chetty Osman, <laughs> stay tuned. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. I'm Nate Smith here with uh, Chris Squared and Eli Kim. Um, and we, uh, we're going from the bottom of the roster up and <laughs> kind of like, I don't know, i I've been pro Brandon Goodwin. I've been anti Brandon Goodwin. And I I just went and looked at his, uh, his his stats and they haven't been great but he's had some really good games and i feel like part of the problem is is he'll have a good game and then he won't get an opportunity the next day so
0: hey (laughs) that's what i was gonna say (laughs) well yeah so
1: take us through it mr francis i
0: mean it's it's the you know we're replaying the same thing with windler with goodwin i mean goodwin (sighs) earned minutes he earned he earned 10 minutes. You know what I'm saying? A game, a consistent 10 minutes. And it makes sense to give him those 10 minutes because look at what, uh, Darius Garland's had to do since the all-star break. You know, uh, I think last I checked, he was at 40 minutes a game, uh, post all-star break. It's probably worse now, you know, cause it didn't include the 45 minute game or 42 minute game. He had, uh, with against the, the bulls or whatever. Um, just, you know, so it's just, JV's driving me nuts. I mean, like, I get it. You know, he's old school, you know, he, he trusts his vets, you know, and he likes to shrink the bench. He likes to tell guys to suck it up and, you know, play. This is what everybody did, but it's 2022, you know, it's 2022. The schedule is brutal. Everybody's meniscus is apparently tearing as so, you know, use the freaking bench. It's a good bench. You got good pieces. They showed you something. They're dogs, you know? That's the thing about Brandon Goodwin that Chris was talking about. Brandon Goodwin, you know, no, he's not a plus defender, but you know what? He fights. He he puts in effort, you know? He doesn't let guys just back him
2: down. You know what I mean? He you know, and he's Oh, remember that monster block in transition?
0: Oh yeah. Exactly. That's yeah a great he point.
2: he works his butt off on defense. He he always has with us at least. Yeah and, yeah and, and nice he's I mean, he's not the greatest defender and
1: some of his situational awareness isn't the greatest, but I've seen him improve from game to game. And yeah. I mean, to me, you've got to do something to buy five minutes for, you know, Darius Garland when you can, because you can tell when Gary Darius Garland is just coasting out there sometimes because he's got to preserve himself. Yep.
0: Yep. And yeah, he, he doesn't look for his three ball. You Know, have you? I don't know if you guys noticed that, but he, he just gets focused on attacking into the paint because those are shorter shots, less legs to
2: put into the shot, you know. And Garland's defense is what struggles first, uh, sure, if he's, sure. If he's conserving. And I don't know if the numbers back this up, but the eye test says his defense has been uh slumping as his offense has uh, been crazy and his usage has been crazy, mm-hmm.
1: and it's understandable to be honest. I mean, look at last game. What twenty five and twelve assists? I mean, his usage has been enormous, and yeah, they've needed him to be everything on offense, and he has been. And, so. and not to
2: be not to be too much of a brownhead, but uh, I'm I'm I've seen the, the the very simple like pick and roll stuff work really well with Moses Brown with uh with uh, DG. And I sincerely think that uh, Goodwin can run those those same things. Uh, he's he's not mm-hmm. DG in terms of uh, playing the pick and roll, but he's he's better at running than passer. any other options. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: no, he's a good he's a good passer. You know, I mean, and, I've and, actually and been
2: pleasantly surprised by his passing. Uh, and passing. and going unsaid in all of this is that Rondo has like just been uh, unable to contribute anything. I mean, I guess well, was I mean was,
1: the... I mean that to me gets to... Kobe, the desk of Kobe Altman a little bit <laughs> in that, I mean, what were you expecting? Uh, Rondo should never have been anything more than a stopgap solution. And, you right. know, I know they traded for Karis LeVert to be a backup point guard, and then he ended up getting hurt and
2: kind of has had a hard time playing that role. Yeah. And, and then they gave Goodwin the contract right around that time, too, didn't they?
1: Yeah. Right. Well, no, I don't think, contract. I think
2: he's still on a two-way.
1: Is he?
0: Yeah, no, I believe he is. Do we need do we need hot Googling action?
1: Eli, get on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on it.
1: <laughs> to the Kim phone.
0: <laughs> exactly. exactly.
1: <laughs> um, but I I just, uh, I really felt like they needed another ball handling guard at the trade deadline or on a buyout or something like that. You know, I was like, oh, let's get Dante Examin back from uh, uh, Spain. And just, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't see anything. And I really felt... Feel like it was a miss to not add another ball handling guard if you're not going to trust Windler or not Windler uh, Goodwin. So right. So and then of course the guy they don't they've I think they've just given up on the entire possibility of Chetty Osmond being an offensive initiator. I think they just want yep. him to finish plays. That's all they want him to do now.
0: Yep. yeah. That was I saw that comment and it, I just you know m- might as well you know. I think it's over. Finally, yeah. the, the the Chetty Osman Odyssey is is come to an end for the cast. He
2: was so. Oh, I don't good. think that's true. He was so true. great with. He was so great with Rubio. I, you know, he's always been. streaky. that's his thing, but um, I I have some pet I have some conspiracy theories and and pet theories about this. The conspiracy theory mm-hmm. being that it's a disciplinary issue. Um, you know, he's late to practice. He's not paying attention. Something like that. He doesn't seem like a. He seems like a real grinder from everything everybody says. But he also seems to get like DNP coaches decisions for random stretches. So that's one possible explanation. I think in a more possible um, is that he was playing really well, even without Rubio in like third quarter and fourth quarter comeback situations. And the Cavs just haven't been in many of those. They've been winning and losing relatively close games. Um, and so that might have something to do with it also. Hey,
3: let me, uh,
2: I'll try oh, in a little bit. So uh,
3: on the Osmond point, uh, the voice, the I guess the main beat writer, Chris Fedor, actually had a little tidbit about Jetty Osmond and why he's in the doghouse. So the explanation he gave was basically he was trying to do too much, and he's not—he's never been instructed to do too much. So they don't like when he takes over the point guard role. They don't like when he dribbles the ball and tries to be a playmaker, and so due to... Um, him doing that randomly and kind of going off script. That's kind of what it was alluded to in the story that he's been earning these DMPs. They just want him to be the guy who hustles on defense, makes the occasional pass, but is there to catch and shoot. And he's been kind of wanting to be more point guardy. Um, when obviously with injuries, but also they just don't want him to be in that position. So that's what the article alluded to and then going back to brandon goodwin real quick he actually is on a two-way contract still
0: so, oh, wow. oh okay. so they never converted it and it's too late to convert it right
3: no it's not too late to convert resign it. him yeah
1: no it's not too late to convert it he you can convert a two-way so, before the playoff. the playoff eligibility no you can convert him before the playoffs because he was already on the roster i believe yeah. i don't think that Roster not being on an NBA roster thing counts towards two way guys on your own team. Gotcha. And, Thank and you. that's my gotcha. guess. I'm
3: 90 sure that's the case. But it sure. just seems like it, with the Moses Brown hype, he's on a ten day. So the only way we could kind of keep Moses Brown would be probably for Goodwin to go to Goodwin or Moses Brown to go to a full contract because Nemhard still has the other two weeks.
2: Um, uh, unless now Nemhard isn't Nemhard out for the season. I don't know. Now, now I'm getting it. Yeah, Nemhart is out for the season. Yeah. No, I wonder was... what that Did affects that this to it. Like yesterday, I think. Yeah. Um, Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, Breaking I wouldn't be surprised to see that. To me. So maybe the two, I don't know what happens with the contract in that. You know, but that's very interesting. They, uh, and they might have to do something. I mean, it depends on Mobley's injury, obviously. But if he's going to miss even three games, I mean, you need to. You, you need both of these guys. Mostly I actually DG, think, I think you're getting anything... I thought it was Malik Newman that was hurt yeah oh, you're right yeah my bad my bad yeah
3: so malik yeah. newman on the g-league is hurt. Nemhart, yeah. i think is still on the two way so i think um that's why they got kyle guy back on the g-league team okay okay
2: and did kyle guy get cut that's wild well yeah, he, he got, got cut from, from,
1: the- from miami i mean because yeah. he was on a uh to say he was on an injury exception and then went oh out. okay okay yeah, yeah and cause i like i like him yeah, I didn't like him in preseason, but he killed it for Miami. Uh might be might be worth a try, but I I, I don't know what this team's going to do. So <laughs> I don't know. And I, and I guess that gets to one of my bigger beefs with the Cavs right now is I just feel like since the All-Star break, JB has been zag when he should zig uh coaching. And you know, I some of the decisions he's made. I mean, you can pin the loss to Sacramento on him for just inexplicably not using his challenge in a, a clearly a foul that would have been overturned according to the two minute report that gave Sacramento the lead, Um, you know, some really odd roster decisions um, or, you know, lineup decisions uh, playing. What did Darius Garland play? 44 minutes against Chicago. It's like you know you just you're not even giving your team a chance down the stretch when your your main guys played 40 minutes already. So you know I I feel like he's been he's been thibadowing a little bit too much and uh, you know needs to set up some route. I I just don't like his feel for the way he's coached since uh, the All Star break, but it may just be that injuries are. Are revealing a lot of issues, and I I don't know I don't know what do you guys think of JB? Uh, That that is the question that I want to ask Eli. Are you satisfied with JB? Is it the injuries? Are you frustrated?
3: I think JB loves good practice players, and I think that's where guys like Lamar Stevens, Isaac Okoro. I think that's where those guys shine because they probably hustle the hardest in practice just based on how well we see them play. And I think to a little bit of a fault, he falls in love with those guys. Um, and that's where we see the, you know, the Jetty DMPs. Um, that's where we see Ed Davis starting and, uh, you know, not getting more minutes than Kevin love or Marketing. So, uh, I think down the stretch, his coaching has kind of regressed. I thought he started the year really strong. But I have to agree there are some interesting choices he's been making down the stretch, especially when things get a little bit tight. um and he's playing he's playing these guys way too many way too many minutes for my liking as well, and especially garland um so that's overall, I mean he's still done a better job than we could have all anticipated, but it's just a little disappointing that he does have some blame in uh down the stretch.
1: Yeah, and and I'll go back to an issue that's been a problem for the Cavs for the last three years is managing player load. I mean, why is Ray John Rondo hurt right now? Because the Cavs are playing him way too many minutes on back to backs when he's like forty five years old. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and it's the same thing that you know you arguably Rubio got hurt because he was playing too many minutes in too many consecutive games and it's just they have done a lousy job of load management on older players and you saw it, like wh- how many times did we see it with larry nance last year where he hurt his hand in a game played the next night on a back-to-back hurt his hand worse the next game or kevin love when he had that calf strain and then he hurt it worse the next game playing in a back-to-back it's like <sighs>
0: yeah they just
1: awful. <laughs> I, they don't seem they seem to put the cart before the horse uh, sometimes and it doesn't make sense. And then, yeah, it just doesn't make sense sometimes. I, and I guess in some respects you trust the trainers, but I, I'm I'm just a little baffled by, by the way they manage injuries and manage player load. So I think they're okay at managing injuries. I think they are not good at managing player load. Let's put it that way. So, and with that, we will be right back. Welcome back to Cavs a podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with. Eli Kim and Chris Squared, Chris Francis and Chris Lydon. And uh, we're, we're talking a little J.B. Bickerstaff. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to say is I, I'm not trying to be down on the guy. I think he's managed well at times with as a difficult a uh, hand as could be dealt at times. But, you know, like, like uh, Tucker Carlson, I'm just asking questions. So...
4: <laughs>
1: and I, I think uh, Mr. Leiden wanted to uh, rise to a passionate JB defense here. So you have the floor. You have the conch
2: <laughs> from the desk of Chris Lydon. Um, no, I, I, you know, JB's made some mistakes uh, in my mind this season, uh, especially as it's progressed. And um, I can't really argue with any of the facts that uh, you guys did a good job of presenting, but I, I can argue with the analysis a little bit because um, I still think he's done a great job and I still think he deserves uh coach of the year consideration. Um, all of those facts you guys were talking about, you know, it reminds me of uh, you know, something from my uh, one of my day jobs uh, when you're talking about like a, a, a operational environment or a threat environment and how you're making decisions within that environment. And I think that the environment of, uh, it, to borrow that phrase has changed so drastically with the very many important injuries to both rotation guys and starters um on a team that was built somewhat precariously uh to play this style right um it it, it kind of leaves you feeling like you don't have enough bigs or guards right uh we definitely feel that way uh, throughout the season and uh like The depth isn't there because these guys play such complex roles. So so I I think once that stuff started to change, uh, they wanted to keep culture really good and they wanted to keep the, the offensive system humming. So we saw that over and over where guys saw, you know, uh, their specific role. So it's like if Markin is out, there is a person who backs him up in our offense and they've, they've done that consistently. And then the offense just broke because they no longer had the personnel to run that system. I mean, with Allen going out, it's it that that's really been the final straw, I think. And uh, it's very difficult for this team to play well. They've overcome so many obstacles and continue to find success, and this was just one too many. Um, and I think that's sort of the elephant in the room, as far as I'm concerned, is like the team's had too many injuries. They're missing an all-star center now at this point. Um, you know, Rondo's been a no-show. LeVert misses a bunch of time, and then you start losing basketball games you know? Um, I
0: mean, that's, I, I agree with that. I mean, the old saying or the conventional wisdom is coaching's free. I mean, it doesn't really matter until you get to the playoffs and then the margins get tighter, you know, but, but really it's, it's the players that matter. And for sure. I mean, honestly, uh, to me, you know, my, my thing has always, I've consistently said that the whole team changed when down. it went from a, it went from a contender to a, a decent team, but, but uh, just a, you know, uh, an up and coming team. It wasn't a bonafide like, wow, this team's a problem, and it's a problem for the top teams, you know. And so, uh, just just the drastic hit that Rubio's injury, you know, had on the on the team, and uh, of course, Jared Allen too. I mean, Jared Allen's probably the co MVP with Garland uh, yeah. in terms of w- wins, you know, the and, win.
2: And all the all the analytics back that up too. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, he's Um, making guys better. He's making so many guys better, Uh, Allen, on on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I mean, I'd almost argue he would be—he's equal to Garland in terms of making their offense work. He covers up for guys on defense. He's part of their entire uh, roster structuring, and that—that goes past JB too. That goes all the way through the ocean. Like they all seem to be, you know, going flowing in the the same direction, and uh, yeah, like Allen covers up on both ends it's it's he's he's massively for sure for sure and maybe he'll come back i don't know has anybody heard any uh
1: uh he is still listed as out um ronda was upgraded to doubtful for wednesday Uh, he's (laughs) like a very doubtful type of player yeah um i i think the hope is that he's back by the playoffs but um i i think the other thing is they don't want to make
0: anyone's injuries worse. Nate, Nate, you haven't said it, but I know you want to. Also, also,
1: (laughs) hashtag Stealth Tank Agenda. (laughs) (laughs) There Uh, we go. (laughs) I mean, I think there's a little part of the desk of Kobe Altman, there's a corner of it (laughs) that has lottery draft profiles on it. That's all I'm going to say. I think that probably exists, and... You know, if the Cavs are in, say the Cavs are in the ninth or 10th seed, I would be very surprised
2: to see all their injured players be out there for that game. Let's just... Put it that way. Okay, so I've, I've also been aware of this agenda, <laughs> and unsurprisingly, um, I'm I'm playing doubting Thomas once again. <laughs> You're going to drop the death charges on me, at which I deserve wholeheartedly. <laughs> I, I know I, I love the stealth tank uh, discourse. Don't a- and wrong. I will admit, it, it is a bit of a troll. <laughs> yeah, of course, <laughs> more than a bit. But I think the interesting thing, the interesting thing about about countering it. Would be that uh, I think uh, Kobe and Altman, Kobe Altman, and I agree that uh, playoff experience for the young roster, even if it's one series, is worth more than uh, the lottery pick, and and that affects the the trade scenario as well. So I mean that goes, that's a big deal, right? So I I, I think he do knows know that. How but that
0: pick is conveyed if they keep what happens. Here,
1: here? comes Eli. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I do know. Talking I about cheeks Eli, like... draft twenty twenty two. <laughs> so
3: funny you would ask. Um, it doesn't. If it doesn't convey this year, it could convey next year as uh, a lottery protected first again.
0: Oh, if it doesn't so it's convey, lottery protected uh, no matter what.
3: Then sounds like possibly correct. And it's just this year, next year, and then if it doesn't convey
2: after next year, it becomes two second round picks. And you're definitely cool. planning on being out of the lottery next year. So cool. But but so his decision making then because I think I do I think he agrees with me that the playoff experience and you guys can chip in on that too is is worth more than the pick, um, but if they're if they get into you know play in I'm not sure the play in is worth it. so you know it's interesting.
3: Well, I actually think that if the Cavs make the play in and lose and don't make it to a full seven game series, I would be interested to see if. That actually becomes the ultimate trade chip for an impact player. Um, that that may be a former Cleveland Cavalier champion. Uh, that's that's what I've seen, but I'm not buying that. There's no way. Yeah, no way. No not way.
1: Now. And
3: but oh well.
1: Okay, that sounds like a second hour topic because <laughs> I've I've got my own set of conspiracy theories there, but. Yeah. Well, let Eli finish though, because I I, I want to hear it. Yeah. I don't, if I don't, I don't let Eli you. finish, he's gonna walk up on stage
3: and slap me. So. No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> but um, I think that the interesting part is if the Cavs were to you know stay in the playing position and lose, but they get to keep their pick. It'd be you know the what the fifteenth or the sixteenth pick. So no, that it's should
1: fourteenth, thirteenth. or Oh, 14th. sorry,
3: 13th or fourteenth. You're right. And that could be an interesting trade piece, um, you know, and it could be the last trade piece before the Cavs are way into the tax starting next year. So um, it's just the possibility that that, you know, it's not the end of the world that the Cavs could trade their first round pick again uh, this year. Um, that would be wow in a weird way to what? set up uh, Kobe. The take, us, run. take us, take us. A bow, wow! If we could, trade well, so that they thing.
1: would have to draft the player first, then trade him, though, because they're trading. If they get this year's, that automatically means next year's is already promised.
2: Well, and at the time, I mean, <laughs> correct. Take take about Kobe, but also at the time, uh, the the odds were certainly in our favor of going into the playoffs uh, when they make that trade. We are what fourth in the East, third in the East. Yeah, uh, and I don't Lowe think anybody saw the
1: Boston just barnstorm tour that catapulted them right to the top of the East. Like nobody yeah. saw them coming out of the all-star break the way they did. And it was pre, p- uh, pre trade deadline, right? Well, or it started I... there and then it just continued after they got uh
0: yeah, white Derek, Derek white. Definitely,
1: yeah.
2: But uh, either way, like it certainly seemed like the lottery, the lottery protection was, Bit of a foregone you know it was or the opposite of a foregone conclusion well, at the time it, when they made the trade it's,
0: it's revisionist history to criticize the trade because the, the the fact of the matter was was the Cavs needed somebody who could oh yeah the i ball. Agree. you know like rubio was gone rondo is you, you know he's 38 so you know you know to say that we didn't we could have waited or something you know i just you know
2: i don't that's I, and that's right. not what i was saying if you thought no, it no was. i know you am um, saying it but yeah okay yeah. word
0: no i
1: i will say the only person that i know that came out strongly against the trade and
2: was ben worth and that, that was just in you know the email threads and but that yeah but that scares me too because i was just telling my mom the other day i'm a big cream abdul jabbar fan um as a basketball player and then he's a he's become a very good writer which I think is really impressive um and i was telling my mom that if if he wrote something about how pizza wasn't any good i i might start to be a little swayed um, and that's how you feel about Benworth. <laughs> yes. Because ben, no, I'm because the Benworth, ben Worth, uh, is the only person whose like email address I have, um, that knows that much about basketball. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I'm, I'm with you. And, and I don't mean that as a knock on anybody else on. This oh no, podcast. I'm just saying just... it, it kind
2: of makes me think he's right. And I'm wrong because he's, yeah, he's very I mean, smart. I like Levert. I just don't understand
1: him sometimes. Um, and I and I hope he picks it up, but it's you know five games and seven nights is is tough to make changes. So I think they just gotta grind grind them out and see what see where the chips fall. So and I'm I don't think if you I I will say one argument against hashtag stealth tank agenda. I don't think you play your centerpiece point guard 44 minutes if you're really trying not to make the playoffs so <laughs> yeah, no they're, they're certainly trying to win and and he's been I mean let's all just be honest as we've gone up the bottom uh, from the bottom of the roster up Darius Garland's been incredible this year I saw a stat that he's the MVP. second player MVP. since magic to average 20 and 8 and shoot over 46 from the field and 90 percent from the line uh yeah youngest ever yeah i mean that's really really rare fight air i mean honestly to me he is all nba consideration in the borderline i think it's really tough to make it as a point guard but you know third team all nba there's
2: certainly an argument there at the point yeah perennial box. perennial all-star type guy yeah uh, well i'm talking about for field. this season oh yeah no i mean just in the future i mean he he's, won't get it but no, he, his his potential has been, I mean... Validated, it's not like he. Le, sure. Yeah, it's not like he just leveled up, you know what I mean? It's that his entire future curve uh, is starting off so much higher and so much yeah. more quickly. Yeah.
1: And with that, uh, we'll be right back for the second hour of Cavs the Podcast. Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. And I wanted to start out the second hour with a bit of a mea culpa. Uh, I've only ever been wrong about maybe three, maybe four things in the NBA, uh, history ever. <laughs> uh, one was the Kevin Love trade was clearly wrong on that. Uh, I, the next one was, I didn't want the Cavs to draft, uh, or no, the next one was never trade Andy. And clearly it was a secret plan to get Andy on the wolves and throw her on the warriors and throw game seven. And then, you know, uh, I didn't want the Cavs to draft Darius Garland. thought that was a mistake. And then, of course, last year, I did not want the Cavs to trade Larry Nance uh, for Laurie Markkinen. And I'm just going to say I was 100% wrong on that one. Uh, I loved what Laurie Markkinen has brought to the Cavs. Um, he's just, A, been huge in the clutch for the Cavs, at least in the second half of this season. The um, finish or... Yeah, the big finish. Um, you know, his shooting numbers aren't great. Uh, 44 from the field, 35 from three. Um, but he's consistently putting up a plus minus of 3.2 across the season. Um, what's his net rating? His oh,
0: I net rating that. is second highest among starters at
1: 4.2. Yeah, for the Cavs. Yeah, no. I mean, he's just been absolute glue when he's been on the floor. Um, you know, he's per 100 possessions uh 23 points, 9 rebounds, 0.8 blocks, 2.3 assists, uh 1.3 steals. I mean, he plays well on both sides of the ball. Um his his free his three-point shooting has really been critical and I I I feel like he's the guy he reminds me of, and I think I might have said this a few podcasts back, but was, uh, you know, a taller Robert Ory, in the way that you know, just a clutch shooting big man, um, who does a little bit of everything well, and I've just really, really been impressed with him. Um, and, and honestly, I'd like to see him get a bigger role in the offense, but he he just seems, I mean, his win shares this year are insane. He's averaging point. 1, 0.12, 1.3 win shares per 48 minutes. I mean, he's he's been really good. Uh, yeah.
0: I'll say in my positive defense. Positive starter, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I was with you there, and I'll say in my defense that I've been lied to by <laughs> the Chicago Bulls friends, fans. Fr- uh, they're my friends, you know, but I'm going to throw them under the bus because they can't do anything about it right now. So I'm gonna throw them under the bus. They lied to me. They all hate Larry Markadon. They were like, "What is, What are the Cavs doing? We should have. Kept. They they wanted to keep. They thought they should have kept Larry Nance for themselves. They didn't even want. You know, they were. Uh, you know, they were perfectly content having Larry Nance instead of Larry Markadon. And uh, all I can say is they do not know ball they do not know ball because Laurie and you know, the player he reminds me of, the comparison I made was uh, Nick Batum. Um, probably not as good defensively, but uh, Laurie's probably a better shooter, I would say, you know, or at least, you know, uh, right up there. You know what I mean? And so that it was kind of, you know, I like the Robert Ory comparison. Um, so it's just like a jack of all trades guy. He could, he could pass, defend, dribble a little, shoot a little, finish a little. That's what I love about him is that because of his height, he could always get a shot off pretty much. So it's a great uh, bailout uh, offense that he can provide the Cavs. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure.
1: And, you know, and he's not a negative defender. Yeah. I think he works so well as the three in that tower city lineup. Um, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. super, uh, I, I, I was hundred percent wrong. And he's, he's been great. Um, anything to add, Eli or Mr. Leiden? Yeah, I mean,
3: I think we're all wrong. We all really like Larry. And, you know, candidly, he, as good as Larry has been, I secretly do wonder if uh, the Cavs just started Larry Nance at three when he was healthy and playing a lot. I kind of wonder how much better those teams could have possibly been. Um, I, that's a really good point. It's, um, you know, I think the problem with larry nance is that he's always hurt <laughs> and he's been yeah. basically hurt since the moment he got traded over to portland yeah and, and he's only played two games for new York. yeah so it's it's you know i think that also helps you know the Lori marketing case um but i i'll be honest i think my biggest surprise is how good lori has been on defense especially guarding he always draws the hardest assignment i feel like and he's really mm-hmm. versatile because he guards Giannis when we play the Bucks. He guards Jokic when we play the Nuggets. Harden. He guards Harden. LeBron. He, and he guarded LeBron. So he's kind of the guy that I feel like they put a lot of pressure on him defensively and on offense. They kind of let him chill and you know take just the open three pointers. Um, run the floor.
0: Yeah, and just kind of speak. No, that's a great point. He like because it speaks to his character. He's just a team player. You know, he's willing to fulfill a role that the team needs, you know, that's not necessarily the glory or anything, but, you know, he does it and he does it at a pretty competent level. So, you know, it's like, how can you fault the guy for that? He's, he's impacting the game and it's
3: creating team success. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, so I'm, I'm thrilled that he's playing really well. And I think next year, I think if he continues to play the same impact at the same level, Level defensively and just makes you know closer to forty percent of three pointers, which he is capable of doing given his track record. Um, that's you know a really good role playing uh, you know hybrid player that you could start at the three. He could play it back at four, and you know at times if he really want to shoot lights out and need to come back, he could be your five. So, yeah, well, he's I don't been a great addition. This, really like.
0: But- I don't, I don't know if you guys knew this, but, uh, uh, Laurie is actually the best performing big, uh, like Laurie's lineups are actually the best performing out of all the bigs and the Laurie love lineups that we saw, remember in preseason, the Laurie love lineups that we've been seeing recently, they've been killing it. I mean, they've been just absolutely shredding Yeah. The, uh,
2: yeah. they can both uh, shoot and they can both rebound.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. you put him
1: out there with Dylan Wendler, and you've
2: got you got a really good rebound <laughs> well, honestly, and, uh, I don't
1: think that's the worst lineup to run oh absolutely not. no
2: i agree <laughs> john uh John Coker i think is how you pronounce yep. his name uh on twitter uh i he and I were going back and forth earlier about uh you know pairing Brown with love to help uh defensively um and I like that because if you have in Love, and Brown out on the floor, I think that'll be really effective.
1: Interesting. Well, I, I think yeah, it's a little Towerson bit matchup 0.2. dependent, 0.
2: but yeah. Yeah, it would be match. It's there. And I think with Markkinen in general, I, I agree with everything you guys said. I, I think he's been underrated and really, and, uh, you know, if, if he shoots, uh, you know, 20% from three in a game, people get down on him really quickly, but... Uh, the defense is there. I think there's uh, he benefits from the synergy, which again I give the organization and at you know at large credit for, as well as the players. Um, and he's a starter going forward. And I, I don't want to get too hot takey right now, but later I'll get to my my hotter take. But uh, he's a long term starter. Uh, I think at like uh, Eli was saying, at three backup, four spot five, and I'm really glad we have him. And I love Larry Nance, but uh, he's not doing this.
1: Um yeah, and that that gets us, you know, talking about Tower City. Um we've got uh Evan Mobley on the bench and I mean we're all bummed to see we're hoping that it's not a season. What was ender. the latest news? Um latest news he's out for Wednesday, I think, you know, they're reevaluating. They're taking it
0: game by game.
1: Yeah, by Friday. Um you know, And when I say a season-ender, I don't mean it's like an injury like that, but given how little time there is left in the right. season and um, you know the fact how that— How
0: many weeks are left in this season? Only two, right? Only
1: or two, or two, yeah. We're, we're about two weeks left. So it's yep, April 10th is the last game crazy. for the Cavs this year. Holy Seven crap. games left. Well, the last
2: regular season game, Eli. Correct. My
1: apologies.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel
2: like it uh, here in the lovely state of Ohio. No, and uh, spring, spring is here—the <laughs> schizophrenic Ohio spring. So where... let me say this about uh, the Markinon thing really quick. Um, I don't know. Well, okay. So with Markinen playing as well as he has, and like, and fitting in, uh, and with Mobley being out, like. Did you guys see? Uh, well, let me completely back up. Did, did you guys see when Mobley got hurt? Were you guys watching uh, live? I was. Yeah,
1: I yeah. watched it on. I was catching up to the game. Okay. Replay. Or no, so I yeah, was he, watching
2: live. Yeah. He might be very stoic, and and he seems like a guy. And by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend I'm a doctor uh, for other people's entertainment because I think that's totally good and ethically fine. Um, but uh, it didn't seem like that. I mean, the guy was not writhing in pain. And so I do have some hope that uh, he's going to be back, you know, around the start of the playoffs. Uh, but I don't, do you guys drastically disagree with that? Because it'll affect my last point on marketing, I think a little bit. Oh, I would. I would think. I'm hoping two weeks is the max, but yeah, I, I don't oh, know. That'd be great.
1: I all depend ankle sprains. It's all whether how how
2: sprained it is. I mean, Lori was out three to four weeks. Yeah, because I just think there's something to be said. If they think they're going to have Allen and Mobley back for the playoffs, there's something to be said uh, for using DG and Okoro and Markinen as anchors of your sort of very diminished uh, offensive schemes that you've been using all year and that you'll return to when those guys get healthy and kind of trying to hold it down there uh, that way instead of trying to just cobble together uh novel matchups and novel lineups uh coming down to crunch time
1: no i'm yeah i'm with you um the other thing i wanted to ask about evan mobley is um and maybe this is a question for after the break and it's because it's kind of a loaded question you think that injury is going to derail his rookie of the year campaign or does he already have it locked up
3: that's a
1: tease I, I feel like Eli is the well. W- we'll answer that after the break because I feel I know Eli's going to have opinions here. So Eli, what do you think? Is Evan Mobley uh, still going to be Rookie of the Year?
3: I think he should be, um, but I do think it opens the door slightly for my <laughs> my my other favorite rookie, um, Scotty Barnes, um, and it also doesn't doesn't help Mobley's case that Toronto. Has overtaken the Cavs. So, but candidly, I still would give it to Evan Mobley. Um, just the fact that he is a legitimate candidate to be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. I'm not saying he's a favorite by any stretch, but I would say he's in the top 10 for that. He's, you know, potentially in the top consideration for all NBA defensive teams. I just think that factor alone—if defense matters—it um, has to be in consideration, and that is what makes Mobley a lock for me of rookie of the year, even though he might miss the last, you know, seven and a half games of the season. But um, I definitely see a lot more chatter about Scotty Barnes uh, and the Raptors uh, fans trying to make that case an argument. And we Although,
1: all know how obnoxious. And how much of a chip on their shoulder Raptors
3: fans have. <laughs> yeah, and you know, to be fair, I'm just glad that we're not debating Alperin Sangoon's per thirty-six anymore, because he's kind of fallen off a cliff lately as well. So
1: Yeah, and and I just hope that the town gets renamed to Ivanto someday. <laughs> anyway. Evanto, Evanto. <laughs>
0: um I'm actually I've already flipped to the dark. I mean, Uh-oh. I think Scotty Barnes.
1: You think actually. I? I think he has a real good shot.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, I think
1: it's 50, well. And you heard Cade 50, 50, spouting 50, 50. off this week. Did you hear okay. Cade spouting off this week? No. What? Oh, he's yeah. like, well, I, I deserve to be rich.
0: Oh my god, oh. man! Shut up! What what you? <laughs> come on! What are you talking about? I'm What's high the on record. <laughs> who? who? Uh, the I'm high on win, Scotty the...
2: Barnes. Hold on. What? No, no. Come on. That's disrespectful.
0: That's just disrespectful. Come on, man. Come on, man.
2: I do think Scotty Barnes is going to be really good. I don't think he's uh, going to win rookie of the year. Um, I I do think it's going to be Evan Mobley. Uh, There there, there are short attention spans at play here, but I think they're among the uh, consumer base more than uh, the players and the media and, and uh, coaches and stuff. So I I think, I think he's got a shot um, for sure. I, I think Mobley's chances are hurt uh, by being out, but they're not reduced to uh, unlikely, at least in my mind. And um, it is a, it is a, a hard, a hard blow though. And, and Scotty could play his way into it probably uh, down the stretch here, but
1: I, I would um, not be opposed to the co-rookie of the year um, situation. Love, which We've seen a couple times.
0: I love that.
2: Nate, that, you know, that's, the, the that's Grant that Hill right and there. Jason kidd, Category, I love. Them. They might be I that agree. good. Both those guys could like. They have ceilings. That, yeah, that are that. High
0: I agree. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah, for
2: sure. Uh, Eli, and you heard it
0: here first. Eli Kim with the call. With the call, what was it? What What do you mean? Oh, Scotty Barnes
3: was his boy. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I did I did love Scotty Barnes, and I th- you know in hindsight, as great as Evan Mobley is, if the Raptors or if the Thunder. Um, I don't know. I still think the Raptors trade could have been interesting um, if the Cavs would have gotten Siakam or something out of it, but oh, I guess we'll never know. Um, <laughs> Not in this universe.
1: <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm thrilled with Evan oh, Moley, and I'm thrilled that the Houston Rockets are run by
0: morons. Yes, sir. That's right. Eat one, Tillman, for Titta. <laughs>
1: So I did, uh, just, uh, recalling back, um, looked up Lori Markinen's clutch shots or clutch, uh, stats. And so he has, he is 11th in the NBA tied for 11th, uh, for made three pointers in crunch time with 10, uh, he's shooting 46% in crunch time on those 13 of 16 at the line and a 53% field goal percentage, which is is pretty darn good, um, so he's been great in the clutch and uh, his plus minus in the clutch, plus forty eight in, uh, how many minutes in eighty seven? Uh, yeah, pretty high clutch minutes. That's that's right. That God. is really he good. Is good. Had or, they've
2: had a lot of clutch minutes, so
1: yeah. I mean, he's been great in the clutch. So uh, way to go, Lori.
2: He's. A, and, I
0: mean, he's a stone cold. I mean, like yeah. he's a stone cold player, man. That's the way he shoots those things, man. Like Finland,
1: baby. <laughs> the That's Finns, right. man, it's literally stone cold. Oh, nice,
3: right? Nice. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Turning off the railroad. <laughs> um, and and add to that, only three turnovers, which is is really impressive. Um, and and twenty rebounds. So you know, way to go, Lori. Um, yeah, those are really good numbers.
0: He's uh, blossoming. I mean, he's, yeah. what, 23, 24, 24 seasons? Uh, I season. believe he's
1: 24. So he's, he's just me, entering. Me look. I
2: mean, he's just entering now. So He's it's almost n- 25. Yeah,
1: He'll be 25 the, in nuts. May. Nice, it's
2: Nuts how yeah. young he is. It, it, you yeah. know.
1: Yeah. No, all these guys. This, this Cavs core has the next, you know, five, six years or more ahead of them. I mean, yeah. they're Stevens so young. Is,
2: Stevens is 24 or 25, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Wade is the same age
1: uh yeah i think so and windler is one year older i think windler
2: is 27 27 yeah i'm Oof. so
0: bummed about wade oh yeah,
2: yeah that is yeah a bum- no
1: windler's only 25
2: okay okay so that yeah they're all that yeah because they played such you know such drastically different amounts of time in the nba and then on different teams like yeah ellen scrapping in brooklyn like those counted as a, like 1.2 seasons <laughs> as far as yeah. i'm concerned um yeah and
1: Do you want to talk a little bit more about Dean Wade, Chris? Yeah.
2: I mean, I guess, uh, you
0: know, uh, uh, kind of a memorial to his season, man. Like, we saw a guy that basically turned himself into one of the top wing defenders in the NBA this season. Like, his defensive EPM was top 50 in the NBA. And it was top 10 among small forwards. That's so, that's really impressive. I right? mean, obviously smaller sample size. than Yeah, other guys yeah, yeah, exactly. Playing in mean,
1: bench units, but that's still impressive as hell.
0: Yeah. Well, he started a lot. Remember, you know, he was he was kind of the that's kind of how JB used him actually was kind of when Laurie was out for extended periods of time and uh, when in uh, Mobley, he, he was just kind of like. Uh, a three, four substitute, uh, in starting lineups. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, he was, uh, his role was bench, uh, as a bench wing, but, uh, just, he was just phenomenal. I mean, like one of the highlights of his season, you know, uh, it was kind of analogous to Lamar Stevens against Kawhi Leonard was kind of his, you know, uh, you know, wow factor was, uh, it was Dean Wade guarding Kevin Durant.
1: Yeah. Um, that was, that was an awesome night.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, competitive as hell and just, you know, unafraid of the moment, you know, he was, he was, you know, he wasn't intimidated by Katie's, you know, obviously his, his superstar um, aura or whatever. And he just, he, you know, he just went out there and competed and, and we saw a guy, it was just, you know, it was a pleasure to watch him play. Cause I mean, he was just, he was a dog. He was, a su- I mean, he was, you know, that's, that's the whole deal this season. You know, there's, it's a whole bunch of dogs on the team, and and he's one of them, and he's a top one, and it just sucks that his knee. It was that it sucks that his knee because part of what made him good was his athleticism, you know. And so I hope well, he and lose that
1: you know, depending on the yeah. extent of the injury, hopefully he can make a full It's recovery. a clean.
2: So so there was some more information about that. It was a uh, like an Ooh. arthroscopic uh, meniscus cleanup. Okay. So it was, which I've had. Um. So that's so
0: it sounds a lot less intensive. Is that that right?
2: It was reported already. I I think it was Jake Trotter. Somebody already reported that um, he's going to be like fully cleared for basketball this summer.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, if the Cavs make the conference finals, maybe he can come back. (laughs) There (laughs) we go. (laughs) I love it. it, And and I've
2: got to say, really fast, as we're talking about Dean Wade, I've got to shout out uh, the It's Cavalier podcast. I don't know if you guys have heard that. It's uh, Mac from. fear the sword and i have not uh, Corey. um it's a great podcast it's from new uh, i don't know his last name okay um but mac uh is a fear the sword writer um yep. uh what's his mac perry and uh they are uh they've their agenda has been the dean wade agenda for yeah sure well and Going i got mac, of mac our perry ag- is a great twitter follow super positive guy yeah he's awesome he's (laughs) like yeah yeah
1: no no stealth
2: tank agenda there no he's (laughs) he's perennially positive he's got like incredibly good vibes as a follow and uh his writing and podcast are good so but they they love dean wade it's been a rough week for them uh yeah i wanted to shout them out because i love the guy
1: you know, th- as we were saying, Dean Wade turned himself into a legit NBA rotation player
0: this year.
2: I don't know if he turned himself into it. He certainly did a lot of work. I again, I, I have a huge amount of respect. For oh, so. of course, he had a good season last year. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, um all Going I'm back, saying he's underrated at this point. I mean, oh, like, yeah. I think we're underrating, or people can underrate what he did and what he accomplished this year. Like, so
2: God. when he was when he was first playing for the Charge, I watched him there a ton, and he he had a stretch where he was like clearly outclassing uh the g did League, you which... go to charge games or no did you watch is, him streaming? this is like it was all streaming stuff okay yeah. um i've been to a lot of charge games but then COVID hit by the time he was coming up right so. but uh he he was like taking over games as a three like doing like classic like uh as i always joke like olympics jetty you know style three like running the game um and he would he would, like, take guys off the dribble, like, he would catch the ball, like, for a three, like, a quick fake, and then, like, take a guy off the dribble all the way to the, the hoop, and then, like, beat the double team and slam dunk. Like, he was
1: crazy. crazy. What about the dunk he had, you know, that was, like, the last, <laughs> his last highlight of the
0: season? who did he dunk uh, yeah. over? He posterized, didn't he posterize, like, a oh, man. No, I got now we gotta look that up. I know. <laughs> uh, I, well, see what I remember about that dunk is him skipping down the court after he ducked. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, was, look it up while I finish the thought really hilarious. quick because yeah.
2: I I I wasn't sure he could actually get there in the NBA and it's taken him a while, but he looks now when he's playing a lot like the guy I saw playing for the charge. Uh, was my thesis. And and it's it's great to see. Kem Birch <laughs> oh, against Birch, Toronto
0: retire that's, that's your retirement card. <laughs> sorry kim yeah
1: i mean it was it, he he was a he was a lot of fun to watch this year and yeah i think we talked about this a few podcasts back but i was at like uh a, a charge game where he had a really big night and he, it was just like it was totally clear that he was the class of that team and that they were totally grooming him to get him to the NBA like that whole team revolved around him. So it's nice to see his hard work rewarded and you got to hope that the Cavs have other guys like that in their pipeline. I'm, I'm super thrilled with what we've seen from Lamar Stevens this year. Um, love to see his shooting continue to tick up. I I think Isaac Okoro has nothing but growth ahead of him. Um, so, so I'm excited to see that. Um, and, and kind of with that, um, where do you guys think the Cavs end up? Um, how many games we got left? Oh, come on! Don't everybody chime in at once. <laughs> Seven games left. Seven games left. So, Eli, where do you think that? that where do you think the Cavs end up in terms of East, Eastern Conference seating?
3: Oh man, with, with if Mobile was healthy, I would confidently say six. But with the Mobley injury, I think they're going to end up at 7. And the games remaining are actually not that easy. They play – I think I have the schedule memorized right now. I could be wrong, but let me let me try this. I think they, they – I know they play the Mavs tomorrow because I'm going to the game. And then they play the Knicks, the Hawks, the 76ers. No, then they play – yeah the Sorry, Magic no, again. Right. yeah, And then the Nets and then the Bucks. So – it's, it's not an easy schedule, although I guess the silver lining is the Bucks might be resting all their players in the last game. Um, and I think for the Cavs, they have to they have to win uh, all the teams that they're ahead of. So that would be against the Knicks, the Hawks, and the Magic. Um, and then they'd have to steal at least one, I think, for a legit chance to get back to six um, from the right. 76ers, Mavs, or Nets. Yeah, so, that's brutal. That's not happening. I mean, uh, I'll go on
0: record right now. Like I think they only can
3: I think the
0: I think a reasonable expectation is they two out of the next seven.
1: Yeah. I I think the only way that happens is the the Moses Brown Juvenation project.
0: Oh, there we go. We're right back at it. He, he parts the know. Red
1: Sea and leads the Cavs to uh the Promised Land.
0: I no, love I... it. I love it. It's happening. It is happening. Well, it's uh... happening.
2: I'm gonna continue. I'm gonna continue Sorry. my streak and offer the uh, the opinion that I I think that they're gonna finish as a six seed. So what I did is I made a, a spreadsheet. One of the oh skills yes I have hot in
1: spreadsheet <laughs> action on Cavs podcast.
2: <laughs> anybody uh, anybody can feel free to pay me and then I will share my work. But in the meantime, uh, I was trying to simulate the rest of this by just like uh, trying to extrapolate Vegas odds on some of the upcoming matchups for. Everybody in the top eight at the eight. Okay. And then what I did is I, is I started to factor in, as it played through live, um, teams that I thought would, you know, as, as soon as they started locking up um, the playoffs or, or locking up a seeding, that they would start uh, resting. Did you have and, the uh, nets in there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, and you have to. Uh, so, yeah, I guess you're right. It's not like, you know, it's, it's who I think has a chance. Uh, it, of, of not just making the playoffs, but affecting the outcome as a non losing, you know, bottom five team in the East. And, uh, I played through it, you know, like for, I, this isn't like some kind of automated thing. This is just like a, uh, some guy in Ohio with a spreadsheet, but from, from um, the desktop of Chris Whitey, <laughs> that's right. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I came up with them in the sixth more often than not, um, because i do think they're going to they're going to have the benefit of resting teams i think for the last three uh which can change that math from saying like they're bad right now they're going to win two yeah i think so because i think i think the nets are the nets are going to clean clean up before then interesting Um, yeah i think they're going to get to i think they're going to get to the play-in uh really comfortably uh at that point so yeah, I think yeah, I know they'll some basically of the win out. the teams
0: ahead have brutal schedules.
2: Yeah, uh, and I think the and I think the Nets almost went out. Wow. Interesting. Wow. I, w- I would love to see
1: a uh, one day vaccine mandate for sports in Cleveland
3: <laughs> when the that Nets are there. That would be
1: cool. There. Just
2: to stick it to. I love it. To Mister. Yep very much you gotta well think early. you gotta think bib is a mayor bib is a is an avid listener and, and commenter on uh calves the plug <laughs> come on mayor we need you <laughs> yeah
1: um even with that we'll take one more break here hold on
2: welcome back to Cavs a
1: podcast i'm nate smith and i am here with elijah kim and chris francis and chris Leiden. it's our first Cavs of podcast in quite some time we we actually recorded one and then my computer ate it and that's part of the reason we haven't had one in in several weeks. So uh, we appreciate you uh, coming back and joining us. Um, and I think I was the only one that didn't weigh in. And I my guess is the Cavs end up seventh or eighth, um, and and maybe even below that. But I I, I can't see them falling below eighth. So um, and with that, I'll I'll ask you guys where you think the Cavs you know, give me two scenarios. If they're sixth, who do they play? How does that turn out? And if they're seventh or eighth, do they make the play in and how does that turn out? Um
3: Eli? Yeah, I think they're sixth. I think they're gonna end up playing the Heat. Um I think the Heat are struggling right now. Yeah, but but the
1: Cavs just match up so terribly with them. Yeah. And I think
3: in a weird way i think cuz they got bam they got jimmy they got Kyle lowry those are just players that can really hurt you know garland really hurt mobley and really hurt allen so it's just not it's a it's a really bad matchup i think ironically i think maybe the bucks or the celtics would be the best matchups um but especially celtic sans time lord yeah it right, was huge yeah it? it's huge I think everyone's actually going to ironically try to fight for the three seed. Um, everyone wants to be in the three spot because I don't think anyone wants to play the nets who might be the seven or eight seed, um, when it's all said and done. That's so, interesting. Yeah. I'm going to, it's going to be really interesting down the stretch to see if teams are going to try to intentionally tank, um, to duck the nets. Cause I think no one wants to play Brooklyn, um, in the first series for sure. So, um, that being said, if the Cavs were to slip to seven or eight, um, I think they still have a chance because let's be honest, the Hornets and Hawks they have been have not been great this whole year. And the Cavs,
1: the Cavs match be-
3: up well with both teams for yeah, sure. Right. I think they're fav- I think they're favored in both matchups. And I think the the you know the beauty of the plan for the Cavs is that they end up you know even at eight they get two chances basically. Um, two games to win one. So at that point, I hope that everyone's back healthy, giving them the best chance. Um, but um, I think, I really do think the Cavs will play a playoff series. That's still my take, even yes. even though they fought a six. So yes. that is my take. So do they have any the chance
1: of winning in the first round against any of those teams that we just went the,
3: over? The only one I think they could legitimately beat are the Celtics. I'm with you. I
1: think on. they've always played the Celtics tough. And for some reason, yeah, I feel like the Celtics are a little overrated at this point
2: after the time load injury. And this all assumes Mobley and Allen are both back. Correct. This assumes that they're yeah, back for the too. playing yep. games. Yep. The yeah. Moment. Which I think uh, is the, the safe bet.
3: Yeah. So that's my prediction. Um, I actually also thought when the Bulls were like the one seed for a hot second, I thought that would have been a good matchup for them for Cleveland
1: as well but obviously I kind of think it depends on the Bulls health too but De- Demar DeRozan they just don't seem to have anybody that can guard that guy. He just always know, seems to right? kill the Cavs except the non LeBron Cavs. <laughs> like LeBron yeah. always owned him but the non LeBron Cavs
3: it just he he's just brutal. Yeah. So that's that's my prediction. Um I don't so my ultimately my prediction is that they will probably play the play in but they will either beat the Nets which is probably less likely but they will beat the winner of the
2: Hawks playing game nice um Mr Leiden well, what do you got yeah well I, I gave a prediction but I I want to speak on what I wish would happen which is that uh that they win the playoff and then they uh lose maybe like a, a you know six game series against the Bucks in terms of just maximizing the amount of postseason games that they end up realistically playing. Um, I think there are those winnable series out there. I think it's less likely that they'll end up facing those teams. Um, But uh, I want them to play a bunch of games. I want them to have a playoff. Um, I think that's really important. Or two. Yeah, or two. Or three or four. You know, clear one. And then against a really good opponent, you know, that would be uh, really helpful for them as well. That's awesome. Francis? Yeah, I mean,
0: I think I'm going to zag. I I think they're going to be super cautious with the injuries. I, you know, even if they come back, I I think they're going to be rusty. You know, it's hard for me to see them escaping the play-ins. I think with Atlanta and Charlotte, I think what's getting discounted in that scenario is their experience last year in a big game. And the Cavs having no experience at all, uh, you know, they might be just happy-go-lucky, or you know, they might feel the moment, you know, which which I would assume the the latter rather than the former. So, you know, because it's their first experience, and so to me, I, I think uh, them being cautious, them might being rusty, and also the lack of experience, I can't see them escaping the play-in, um, but if they get out of the play in like i don't fear any of these teams <laughs> to be honest like the 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 only team that the cavs have looked actually bad against has been i would say probably philly philly's probably been the toughest one yeah philly's
1: I've just seen. owned them this year
0: yeah yeah philly just kind of yeah exactly uh, and 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 uh nb just eats Allen alive well that know. and they play five on eight every time they play exactly yeah yeah exactly and we never get calls you know we real yeah,
1: even them, in their so. own building
0: yeah yeah exactly so I don't fear anybody really you know if they make the playoffs but I just I can't see them actually you know I just think they're I just think that they're going to be cautious and they're going to well and also the lack of experience quite frankly for everybody. I mean even uh JB Bickerstaff um I think he's been to the playoffs but he's never won a playoff series if I'm not if I recall correctly. So, you know, it's just going to be a new thing for a lot of people and it's just hard for me to see, you know, when you, when you're going against teams. I mean I guess the lucky part about it is that it's a one game scenario. So anything can happen, you know, so that that would be awesome. You know, and I'm going to be I'm going to be, you know, riding in the streets. If if we can pull, man, if they get a playoff series. Oh, my God. I mean, like, that's just. Oh, man.
1: Unimaginable.
2: I
0: mean, like, like where we were like oh, eight months six ago. Six months Absolutely.
1: ago. It's like,
2: crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's and- so good. It's so great. Yeah, it's awesome.
1: They have a winning season. We were debating. I know, right? Whether they yeah. were going to beat twenty-seven wins. Yeah, and, and they have just, the they have the plan locked up. Yeah, the the whole season's been a gift,
2: for sure. Oh man, so so
0: oh man, I love it. I love. I, I do they know, have I'm the plan? Are they guaranteed the plan?
2: Right, they are guaranteed the plan. Yes, in, yeah. nice, cool. Yeah, it's wonderful.
0: And then they'll be guaranteed two games if they can stay in either the seven or eight seed
2: which I think yeah. they will for yeah, yeah.
0: It, it's hard to see them going down
2: further yeah
0: so that that i mean that's a dream already right there you know and then if they get a playoff series oh my gosh
1: i mean wow well and let's talk about um memphis last year uh got that play in series and I, I, they lost to the warriors right
0: yes they they were able to uh no they beat the warriors no, they, they lost the warriors. to the jazz
1: they lost to the jazz that's right did they lose to the Jazz in the regular
3: playoffs? Yes, yes. the okay, first round okay. I think, right?
1: So, yep. I mean, obviously that experience for them was absolutely invaluable because they've been the yep. second best team in the NBA this year. Yep. Um so, yeah, super super fun. Um that's, you know, obviously the goal. I don't think they're as deep as uh the Grizzlies are, but I'm I'm that's what I want to see them strive towards. Um, oh, yeah. I
0: mean, just the, the, having the ability for Garland and Mobley and Allen and marketing, and just everybody, they'll have something to go, they'll have something to work on for the summer. You know what I mean? That's what the playoffs do for you is they expose your game, you know, to the absolute level. And then what guys do, you know, the, the, the you know, the good and great guys of the league or whatever, they always, you know, they take what they learn and they build, you know, and, and just having a four game you know, or seven game series, just, I, I just, you know, speechless.
1: Yeah. And for me, the Cavs, um, I, I, you guys are selling me on, you know, seven or eight with an outside shot of, of getting a first round series. But I, my guess is they'll definitely be seven or eight and we'll get at least one or two play in uh, games. But I'm not 100% sure it's. that <laughs> They're, they're going to have the opportunity to play in a playoff series. Um, yeah. But that's not the worst thing in the world because if they keep their own lottery pick, it makes the offseason really interesting. Um, and I don't know. We talked about it a little bit. Do you think there's any chance that the King returns to Cleveland? Uh, I didn't think so, but then that Lakers team is so damn bad. I don't know how they can fix it. And I don't know if LeBron stays. Anybody want to speak to that? Like, and if he does go, where does he go?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, will chime in. Like I, I'm concerned. I'm concerned actually. Cause <laughs> I don't know whether it was for the cameras or not, but you could tell, uh, LeBron took a shine to DG all, oh for weekend. sure half the teams rep by clutch yeah yeah and oh right exactly and and not just that like when when they played against each other when LeBron showed out you know in that in that loss to the Lakers you know you could just tell you know it was uh you know them post game and just the the uh the camaraderie or whatever uh it, i'm getting concerned like cuz every the What's happening now, from what I can understand, is like Windhorst and others, you know, that are reporting about the Lakers or whatever. Basically, they're saying, you know, they're already dropping hints like this is year four. Uh, LeBron left year four in Miami. LeBron left year four in 2.0 Cavs. Now it's year four Lakers. And like you said, that team is garbage. They have no no capital, no good players they put all their chips on Anthony Davis, you know? So what is he I mean, yeah, they're in cap hell. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I wouldn't, let me put it this way. I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron's a Cav. I just wouldn't be surprised.
1: I think there's two possibilities. LeBron is a Cav, or LeBron is a Nick. Uh, if Ooh, he doesn't, Nick? I, I could definitely see the next trading for him. They have a lot of young talent, um, they have a contract that makes sense to ship to the Lakers and Julius Randle, Um, and it just kind of makes all the sense in the world to me. Um, and he's always said he'd love to finish his career. He'd love to play in New York. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. Um, but I also think the Cavs probably again, have the best young core and ability to get him in the East, but, The question is, is how much would they give up to send to the Lakers? And does, you know, Dan Gilbert even want to do that? So,
2: well, so he's he's on record for a few things. Um, He's on record saying he's going to play with his son. What year is that? Twenty twenty. That's the year after this coming one. Yeah. So he's on record saying that if his son is even drafted. Well, yeah, exactly. He'll be playing for a G League team at that point, but. Who knows? But either way, he's on record saying that. And we know that he's he's an LA guy. I don't think he would take his kids to New York. I don't think he'll take his kids anywhere, to be honest. No, I, I don't think, he'll, think so either. I think he'll stay, but I, I think he'll stay in LA. Um, I'm not sure he wants to win more championships, honestly. Um, it's hard to say that uh, he wants that over uh, what he's doing in LA with Spring Hill and stuff. Um, but Space if he wants GM. to win three? Yeah who knows what they're making they're probably making romantic comedies or something right now but, you know either way like i'm just saying like they're they're that's his thing he's he's transcending he's already began transcending basketball uh in terms of business and uh so there's a there's a, yeah there's a path where that he stays there um if he wants to win championships i think it would make sense to come here but if he's going to try play with his son the year after that then i could see him uh, You know, maybe playing out the same contract and playing like one year somewhere else, you know, and 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 retaining his ability to go to free agency to try to force someone to take his son. So, yeah, we'll see. That's interesting. Eli, anything to add?
3: Um, I just don't think Dan Gilbert wants the LeBron experience. So I mean, I don't That's think a fair assessment. It. And, you know, candidly, I don't I mean, LeBron's a great player, one of the top. Two players of all time, in my opinion. But in anything, in business, relationships, I don't know how you take back a person a third time, Um, especially if they've left you twice. Yeah, and every team he's ever left has been a smoldering wreck after he left. Yeah, so it'd just be really tough to do that, especially because he's going to be like, the contract he would want would put him at like 40 years old when he leaves. So I just can't. uh, It'd be... I, I would understand if they would do it, but it better not cost, you know, Okoro, Markin, and Sexton and picks. You know, like it, it can't.
2: Oh no, yeah, no, 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 no. They would not. Yeah, you yeah, can't gut that. the team to bring him in. No, they would one year. No. So well, I think it other... would be a. It would be like not a new contract. It would be the one year. And it would be the one year. Have to trade. You have to trade firsts. Yeah. And, uh...
1: yeah, I yeah, I don't. I don't know. know. I don't know. So the other thing, do you think he's on the Lakers next year, Eli?
3: I think so. Um, I think if he's not, I think the Knicks is who I would say he would be on, and I think the only way the Knicks thing would happen is if Dame Lillard also goes there too. Interesting.
2: You know, he needs who a bunch reps of old lillies on his team. Who reps Lillard? Lillard's not a clutch guy.
1: No, is he a CAA guy though? Uh, because that's who runs
3: the Knicks. The CAA, right? Right, Leon yeah. Rose. No, he's he's with Goodwin.
1: Aaron
3: Goodwin. So. Oh, okay. Interesting.
1: Right. Well, but it should be interesting. <laughs> it's definitely. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to ham it up this this off season. We're um, leaving
0: the episode mysterious.
1: Yeah, and I don't know what the heck happens to Westbrook. That's got to end up. He's still got another year on his contract, right? Yes. Well,
3: maybe two. I bet he has a player option after that too. Oh okay. man. No, no, no. It's his last. Next year's last. It year. is his oh, last. Man. That's got to be the crap. most toxic contract in the, the NBA. the end of the Westbrook contract.
1: Yeah. Yeah, interesting. You know what's super funny is how much uh, Stephen Adams is killing it for Memphis in the rebounding department, especially offensive rebounds. And it can just kind of go to show you how much... I watched a lot of those Thunder games when he was averaging a triple-double. He was getting those double-digit rebound games because of Stephen Adams. Like, Stephen Adams was just, like, boxing out two guys every play. So, so Kale Drogo, what, he, was, he was Kale Drogo's Khaleesi those years.
3: <laughs> anyway,
1: um, anything else to add in terms of uh, where you see the rest of the season going? Who, who you got coming out of the East and West, guys, right, uh-huh. if you had to pick right
0: now? I mean, I'm taking Philly. I'll Interesting. Take Philly. The Golden Turd. Yep, I'll take it. Just, I, I, just think they're going to, they're going to rat their way to, the, to the, to the, you know, finals and rat their rate. way to the finals. Yep, yep. Because I mean, look at you. You, you posted the stat. They're just calling everything now. It's garbage. Yeah. Well, but they always stop that in the playoffs. I hope. I hope yeah, that'd be awesome. Cause then we're going to see a spectacular flame out, but you know, uh, that would be awesome. Uh, but, uh, I think I'm going to take them, uh, West. I'll take, uh, uh, the West I'll take, man, I think, I think it's Phoenix. Oh,
1: Phoenix. I'm with you. I think Phoenix, Phoenix has a, you know, I've been beating the Monty Williams drum all year. He's the best coach in the NBA. And if he doesn't get coach of the year, it's a, it's a giant sham like they're turning in a top 15 all-time NBA regular season
0: yeah yeah I mean I think what has really happened is that in going back to playoff experience what I think has happened with Phoenix is the guys that have really grown from that playoff run last year are Booker last and two Aiton. years last two you know because they so, had yeah. the bubble run too yep exactly Booker and Ayton, I think have and Bridges actually in yeah. uh, to a huge degree like bridges is now creating you know in on offense and 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 isolating so he's he's grown his game so i think just those three have really uh have wised up about nba ball and just i think that's what people are uh because the criticism about Phoenix is everybody's like, oh, they're a well-run, well-coached machine, but they don't have that top guy that could, you know, they don't have a Kawhi, they don't have a LeBron, they don't have a, you know what I mean? They they like to say, well, they don't have that guy, that top five guy. But to me, it's, I think what's being underrated is, they've, you know, they might not have a top five guy, but I think Booker and Ayton, they're playing like, all star guy, all star caliber guys, you know, and and already CP three is in that category, you know. So I, I just, you know, it's it's hard for me to say that you know Phoenix is not gonna not gonna whoop up.
1: No, and the team that Phoenix reminds me of a lot actually is um those uh, 2015 to 2019 Golden State teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and and mm-hmm. we're seeing yet another year where Golden State's starting to flame out. When they had all these lottery picks, they could have traded for players, and they didn't. So, uh, I you hate to see it. <laughs> anyway,
0: actually, they should keep. They should sign James Wiseman to
1: absolutely. Um, what about you, Eli? Who's coming out of the East and West? Uh,
3: I think the Suns have to be the favorite right now. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Can't I, I? Just can't. I mean, the Warriors are falling off cliff. Memphis, I just feel like, are still kind of a year away, and I think it's just weird that they have a better record when Jod doesn't play. It's still just a weird stat, Actually, but... I
0: think that's my dark horse. I do think they could make a final. I, There's a lot I of wins. I actually think, you think know? they're the only yeah. other team that could make a finals.
3: Yeah, but I actually think, weirdly, the other team I kind of like in the West is the Jazz. I mean, they're like so quiet, but they're still playing super efficient ball. Um, really? I don't know something about you're you're, something...
0: you're believing you're believing in uh, Donovan Mitchell's uh, next level.
3: Yeah, I don't know what it is, but typically I feel like when a team like the Jazz just has disappointing season over disappointing season, it kind of feels like the Bucks last year a little bit, where they kind of disappointed, disappointed, uh, but then break through. So for me, I think it's the Bucks Suns again. Um, I think Milwaukee is the boring pick, but I think they've. They're the, the most consistent. And I think.
1: And, that and they've been totally.
3: This whole season
1: has been a gear up towards the postseason. Like, yeah, they have definitely been. I wouldn't say. Sand, they've been on coasting through game management,
3: yeah, load right. management. Load management. Yeah. And, you know, Brooke Lopez is coming back. I think they're trying to get him ready. Um, I mean, he had 17 points tonight, so he's getting ramped up. So I think that um, the. Game-winning, for me, block, I think game-winning block for Giannis
0: tonight. That's what I, that's what
1: I was going to yeah. chime in on. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I my dark horse, I'm going to pick the Nets to come out of these because, Ooh. you know, to me, uh, Kevin Durant, arguably still the best player in the NBA in the playoffs, and they're, they're healthy, and they've the mandate's got something over. to prove. Mandate's so, over, too. Yeah, there you go. On uh, the east, I, th- I think it's, or the west, I think it's the Suns all the way. Although, yeah, Memphis is my dark horse. And also, don't sleep on the Mavs making a deep run because, you know, Luka is that good. Uh, and <laughs> who you got? And also, there's the Clippers who've just had George
2: and Leonard on the shelf all year. So, who knows? What about you, Mr. Leiden? It's sort of chalk, but uh, I'm going to go Nets, Suns, Nets, and seven. Yeah, nice. Ooh, nice. Okay. Uh, wow.
1: real quick, anybody got anything to pitch? Give,
0: give me have, your forty-five second pitch, pitch. I'm gonna pitch real quick.
3: Sequench ale, dogfish.
1: Nice, that's a good it's one.
3: Tasty, refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pitch um the new Batman movie. I thought it was really good. Ooh. Nice. I had you know, candidly, I didn't have really high expectations, but I thought they did a really good job of it, making it dark darker more mysterious and uh a different take on the whole batman series so i enjoyed it Ooh, i like it you sold me
2: mr lyden yeah i'll pitch a uh old uh record and uh and musical project called the nerve institute it's uh wherever you buy digital music and it's uh a bit of a polymath guy named mike judge who plays all the instruments and it's sort of like a experimental uh sort of uh psych jazz i guess that uh has a lot of uh 60s british invasion influence and uh is very cool music i've been listening to it a lot what what was
1: the name of it the nerve project
2: the nerve institute
1: the nerve institute okay nice uh are they it sounds like something that'd be sponsoring a Cavs game (laughs) uh well, we got the steel mill now. I I don't know to, if I have anything to pitch this week, but I guess I will pitch um I will pitch a board game store uh, Underhill's Games in Cuyahoga Falls. Um really great place. They do a big used game game flea market every year and then you sell it and then you sell your games and you get the money back in store credit. Uh so that's how they make a lot of their money. It's their biggest day of the year. Of course they had it earlier this year but uh support underhill's games cuz uh local businesses are awesome and local places where people get together and have fun experiences are awesome so that's nice that's what i'm going to pitch so love it and uh we've got uh, the mavs on
0: wednesday who we got after that uh back to back against atlanta right yeah nice oh i Ro- hope home uh home road back to back
1: nice well and with that i will say uh Go Cavs. Go Cavs.
3: Go Cavs. Go Thanks. Cavs.
1: So this is a little bonus time on the podcast because Eli and I were at the Cavs game the other night. Uh, what game was it? Nuggets. Nuggets, which was a phenomenal game. One of my favorite games of the year. What a great game that was, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, they won in overtime, I believe.
3: Oh, yeah. Another
1: yeah. huge uh, Lori Markinen three. Oh. Um. Uh, to give him to give him an overtime win, and uh, Elijah Kim was there with his boys, and of course I have to uh, I got to text Francis on the live thread because I forgot my personal <laughs> phone. I only have my work phone, so I had to have him send Eli my number just so I could tell him. And then of course Eli tells me where he's sitting, and. He sends us a picture. He has got this gold jacket. It was like Elijah Kim and the amazing Technicolor dream coat. Like he has this gold uh what would you call that style? Like a like a player's jacket or yeah, like almost gorgeous. like a like a shimmery warm-up jacket. Yeah. It was it was beautiful. Like, and I could see it from across the arena. It was like the golden (laughs) rays of the sun. (laughs) It was so great. So I, is that like your official game jacket now? How often do you Uh, wear that? Is that only a special occasion or do you wear it all the time?
3: So I, I, I do have to admit I'm actually probably going to wear it tomorrow because it's kind of cold now still. Um, But I got a lot of... Comp- it actually is a Cavs jacket. I know. Yeah, it's so yeah. great. Um, it has the old, you know, the 90s orange and blue Cavs logo, which is my favorite logo still. Um, yeah, but
1: the jacket itself is gold, right? The
3: jacket, the whole jacket itself is gold. Uh, can't Where'd deny. you cop this? Um, I actually got it on... I was just, like, shopping on the clearance section of, like, Fanatics or, like, something like that. Damn. And I just saw this jacket, that, and I, like maybe this is like nerdy, but I always search for like whatever the biggest discount is. (laughs) Same. This jacket was 75% off. Oh my gosh. It was originally a $300 jacket for 75 bucks. So I'm like, Dude, this is a winner. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Dude. Like, I was like a four, like almost the $350 jacket.
1: You can't get a knockoff for that cheap.
3: Yeah. So I I had to pull the trigger and I got it for like 78 bucks, I think.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I I love it. I
3: thought it was so cool. So Yeah, and actually uh, a little tidbit, uh Darius Garland's mom actually complimented on my jacket. Uh, that's awesome. She was sitting, she was sitting like I was sitting behind the basket, um, just a little bit. It's not my normal seat, but I paid um, because we're allowed to buy like a discounted four seat for the game. So that was the game I picked, and uh, like apparently I was on ES because it was an ESPN game, I believe. Oh, that's Um, awesome. I was on like anytime they shot free throws, I was on the camera. Oh
1: my gosh. I gotta and go then... back to the D V R and find <laughs> that.
3: <laughs> and then ah. apparently there was this time when they were like talking about Garland's parents and they were sitting like behind me a little bit, but they could people said that they could see like the gold reflection <laughs> in some of the, some awesome. of the angles. Elijah
1: Kim and the amazing technicolor dream coat. <laughs> so, so, I love it.
3: Uh, so I'm actually wearing it uh, tomorrow night too. That's so we'll, great. But I am. sitting you got your. Up, so. you, where are you sitting? I'm sitting further away. So okay, are you
1: sitting in your, n- your normal club
3: seats? Yeah, my normal club seats. Yeah, yeah. not not down with the real high rollers. <laughs> no, but I did get a lot of compliment. I was actually surprised how many people complimented me on that jacket. It was. I, I it was. was a re- <laughs> I mean, I
1: could spot it from across the arena, and people were was, like, like stopping that is me so and cool. asking
3: me where I got it, and those. It it's fly man it's totally fly
0: (laughs)
1: yeah no i had to i had to come back on the podcast
0: for that (laughs) it makes a statement yeah that's that was great that was a great call nate that was absolutely no that was
1: (laughs) eli was totally with his boys and uh it it was really cool uh i'm i'm (laughs) glad that you had a good night i went with my wife it was probably the first game i went with my wife and probably three seasons since LeBron was it? Well, no three seasons probably. And, um, what a great game that, that nuggets game was. It was was super fun to see. Uh, cause I, like, I want to mention this earlier, like to me, MVP is Jokic. just how good that nuggets team is and literally playing point center the entire season and just doing things that nobody else has done at that position. So, yeah, it's been and
3: ironically, it, that's that's where I mentioned Laurie. I thought Laurie did a really good job guarding he did him. Did a great job though, on him, even though he did a great job. I mean, he still had a thirty. Oh, yeah. year yeah, you triple. Yeah, double, you're not going to stop so. him.
0: Yeah, you just
1: you're yeah. just
3: trying to make him work.
1: Did you see that play he had the other day where he threw the oh. pass behind his over his head behind him? Oh, yeah, that's the Magic Johnson. Yeah, yeah, that was like uh, straight out of White Man Can't Jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, oh, that's the other thing. I'll I'll pitch. Um, Check out the SmartList podcast. Uh, the Woody Harrelson episode is just phenomenal. So, And SmartList is the podcast with uh, Bateman, Will Arnett, and uh, the guy that played Just Jack in Will and Grace. I can't remember his name. Now oh, i got to right. look it up. But yeah, the Woody Harrelson episode is fantastic. Man, we
0: love Woody. Woody's a good guy. We love him.
1: Yeah. Uh, who's the third guy? Okay. Um, Sean Hayes. I didn't want to sell him short. Oh, okay. okay. And with that, we got to get out of here. Go, Cavs. (laughs) Go, Cavs. Go, Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite bloggers. There's a fire.
4: Lost your home. lose your partner. And we're
0: out.